Thank you again, worship team. Thank you for using, letting God use you. I want to welcome you. I was in California this week. Bummer, right? Um, I was on the beach during the sunset with my six pack. And I was like, man, this is what heaven's like, right? The beautiful pink and purple and blue sky. And like the palm trees and the water. I was like, this is what heaven must be like. And actually, as I stand here today, I am corrected. Seeing all of your faces, women, men, black, white, Asian, white, whatever it is, all singing about our redeemed lives and our Savior and our sins being forgiven and the life that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what heaven is like. Jesus at the center, us around him, giving him praise and receiving his life. Amen. So with that, I'd like to bring up Tiffany. Give it up for Tiffany, y'all. She's going to be sharing a word with us and continuing our series on missions. city has more image of God in every square inch uh, than in the country. And in the city, you see all these people, all these people are made in the image of Christ. And that's what heaven's going to look like. That's what heaven's going to look like. All right. So for those of you who were here last week, thank you for coming back. (laughs) I was thinking about it this morning. I thought, oh, man, if after three weeks, Justin comes back, the congregation is gone. Well, you know, that's his fault because he put me up here. <laughs> so to catch up those to, who missed last week, my name is Tiffany Ong. I am your guest speaker, and we are in the middle of a three-week series on missions. So last week, we talked about Psalm 67, and we talked about how God's mission was to bless Israel so that he could bless all the nations on earth, that God had blessed his people one people group, to bless all the families on earth, as he told Abraham. We also talked about how nations, when the Bible talks about nations, that's not countries, right? That's not Canada. I was going to say Canada. It's not Canada. (laughs) It's not Canadians. It's people groups. So you might be living in Florida, but if you really break it down, your, your heart's in Puerto Rico. You know, those are your people. And that's what the Bible's talking about when they say nations. So last week, God's mission was to bless Israel, to bless his people, so that he might proclaim his name and his saving power, his salvation to all the people groups on earth. Now today, we're going to be talking about Jesus's commission. Jesus's commission. The word commission means a command. It means an order. So if I commission you to do something, that means I'm ordering you to do something. I am commanding you to do something. Now, about a month ago, when I was trying to figure out, oh, what passages should I speak on? I thought, well, I mean, what's the most iconic verse on missions? I have to talk about Matthew 28, 18 to 20, right? Uh, That's also known as the Great Commission. How many of y'all have ever heard that? Have you heard the Great Commission? The Great Commission? So as I started my research, I started realizing Jesus never calls this his great commission. He never uses those words. 
He never says to his disciples, I'm going to give you a great commission. Listen up. He never says that. In fact, he actually gives a lot of commands to his disciples. He says, what does he say? He says, love one another as I have loved you. That's a command. That's a commission. That sounds pretty great. He says, feed my sheep. That's also a command. That's a commission. Why isn't that the great commission to feed my sheep, to go out? We're going to talk about that today. So why don't we start off, join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have gathered us together to be able to worship you. Lord, we thank you for the brothers and sisters around us, that we may encourage one another, that we may fellowship and hear from you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illuminate your scriptures, that you would teach us, Lord Jesus, for you are the teacher, and we pray that you would be present among us and that we would hear from you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you guys have your Bibles or if you use your phones, turn with me to Matthew 28. Now the book of Matthew is a gospel. So it's one of four gospels in the New Testament, and it shares the account of Jesus' life and ministry on earth. Life and ministry on earth. Sorry. Sometimes when you prepare sermons, you tend to memorize. So if I stutter, that's why. Uh, so we are in the end of Matthew. We are at Matthew 28. And we got to pick up on the story first. We got to know where in the narrative we are. So Matthew 28 starts off. This is after Jesus' crucifixion. And it says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, another Mary, go to his tomb. And they go there to pay respects to Jesus. But instead, when they get there, there's a big earthquake. There's a huge earthquake, and an angel of the Lord comes down, rolls back the stone of the tomb, and he sits on it. He's just hanging out there. So, of course, that's a terrifying sight, right? That's terrifying. You just saw an angel come down. Uh, Matthew wrote that the guards fell like dead men. So they fainted. So the male guards fainted. <laughs> and then there are these two women. They're terrified. But the angel of the Lord tells them, don't be afraid. The Jesus who you are looking for is not dead. He has risen. Go and tell the disciples he is on his way to Galilee. So the women, I mean, what do you do? An angel just come in. <laughs> An angel just told you to do something. So they run towards the disciples. It says they're running with fear and great joy. Can you imagine that? It's like something is happening. Jesus, their teacher, was not dead, and they just saw an angel. So they're running there, and on the way there, they encounter Jesus himself. Jesus meets them on the way there, and Jesus says the same things that the angel of the Lord says to them. He said, don't be afraid. I'm on my way to Galilee. Go tell my brothers, tell my disciples to meet me there. So that's the context of where we are at now. Jesus has gone to the cross, he has been crucified, and now, all of a sudden, he's back. He's back. Now we're going to jump down to verse 16. Verse 16 says that the 11 disciples, 11 because Judas betrayed him, so he's not there, the 11 disciples go to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And Jesus shows up, and this is what he says, and this is our passage this morning said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And if you turn the page, that's it. That's, that's the end of Matthew's gospel. He felt like Jesus' words right there was so significant. He was like, that's it. I'm going to stop my book there. It's like Jesus just had a mic drop. This is so important that I'm going to stop it right there. So that's our first clue, that maybe something is significant about his words. But let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. The first thing that Jesus says is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that brings us to our first point. That the commission is great because Jesus is great. The commission is great because the one who is giving the commission is great. Now Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth. That means all authority in the heavenly realms, which we cannot see, and the worldly realms on earth. That means Jesus has authority over all of creation, everything that has been created. Why do I use the word creation? Because the very first verse in Genesis 1-1 says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means everything that was created, including the things we cannot see. So that includes spirits, that includes demons, angels, cosmic forces powers and principalities, all of that that we cannot see, Jesus has authority over. Everything that is on earth that we can see, Jesus has authority over. So that includes humans, animals, the sun, the stars, the moon. Everything in all of creation is under Jesus's authority. Now, a lot of commentators think, oh, well, Jesus is talking about his authority that he received back after he had completed his mission, after he had gone to the cross, now all authority has been given to him. And that's true. That's true. The risen Christ is different than Jesus who was just walking around Galilee doing stuff. However, this isn't the first time that Jesus talks about his authority. It's not the first time he's shown his authority. A lot of times he doesn't speak. He just shows and you know what he is authorized to do. For example, in Matthew 7, Matthew has a lot of discourse, a lot of teachings of Jesus. And in Matthew 7, it says that after Jesus was done teaching, the crowds were amazed. They were amazed. Why? They were amazed because he taught like one who had authority and not like one of their scribes. So a scribe is another word for a writer. They're the people who are really into the law. They would copy the Old Testament scriptures, like letter by letter, space by space, if they made a mistake, they would throw it out. But they did more than just write. They were experts in the law. They were experts, and they were teaching the community. So a scribe is someone that, uh, if you had an issue, you would go to a scribe. Like, you'd be like, yo, scribe, I, uh, <laughs> I gave my oxen to my neighbor to take care of, and then my oxen died. What does Moses say about that? And the scribe was supposed to guide you in the scriptures and tell you, oh, Moses says, uh, you know, you're supposed to come to an agreement, etc. But the scribes did not really act as leaders the way that the community wanted them to be. Uh, the scribes tended to just refer to tradition. They would just say, 
well, Rabbi so-and-so said in whatever year, you should do this. And they had gotten used to that. But then all of a sudden, this guy, Jesus from Nazareth, shows up with no credentials, and he starts teaching with authority. He's not talking about the authority that, you know, Rabbi so-and-so, Rabbi Cohen, I was like, what's a Jewish name? Rabbi Cohen said, like, like you know, 100 years ago, he's teaching with authority, almost as if he wrote it, almost as if he wrote it. So Jesus, just by the nature of what he was doing, showed that he had the authority to teach. What else did Jesus show in the first chapter of Mark? Uh, there's a story where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And in the synagogue, there's a man with an unclean spirit. He has a demon in him. So as Jesus is teaching, this demon-possessed man cries out. And he says, what have you to do with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus immediately commands the spirit to get out, to come out. And then the man convulses, the man cries out, and the spirit leaves him. And everyone's like, oh, whoa, my gosh. Like, even the spirits are listening to him. Even the demons are listening to this guy. Who is this guy? Jesus showed he had authority over spirits. He had authority over demons. They listened to him. What else does Jesus show in Matthew 9? There's a story where a bunch of friends, they bring their paralyzed friend on a mat. And they bring him to Jesus because presumably they want Jesus to heal him. But instead of healing him, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now the scribes are there. I love the scribes. The scribes in Matthew are great. But the scribes are there and they start murmuring. They're like, oh, listen to this guy. He's speaking blasphemy. Look at him. He's talking about sins. Like, who is he? Like, he thinks he's God. And Jesus, perceiving what the scribes are saying, says to them, so you might know that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, so you might know that I have the authority to forgive sins. And he points to the man. He said, pick up your mat, pick up your mat, get up and go home. And the paralyzed guy does that. And the crowd is like flipping out. I kind of imagine this scene. This scene is kind of like, you guys ever watch rap battles? <laughs> So in rap battles, if you don't know what that is, it's like two people, they're rapping and they're taking turns insulting each other. I don't know why we watch this stuff. But when someone gets a really good diss in, everyone's like, oh! And I kind of think this is what's going on here. The scribes are like, oh my gosh, he doesn't have authority to do this. Why is he saying this? And Jesus goes, yo, I'm going to show you my authority, and I'm going to show you by healing this guy right here. And he does it, and he does it. Jesus is walking around Galilee like a boss. He is casting out demons. He is teaching as if he wrote the book. He is like a boss. But when Jesus, so that's all that thing, all the things that Jesus was showing, Right? You kind of get the feeling, you know, like sometimes you see someone, they're, they're walking with a swagger, you know, you know that guy, <laughs> you know that guy has power. But when Jesus talks about his authority, when he talks about his authority, he talks much more 
not about like, yo, look at me, I can heal. He talks more about his power over people's eternal spiritual state. That's what's important to Jesus. So in the book of John, he says a lot of things. He says, one of the things he says is that the Father has given him authority to execute judgment. He said that the Father has given him authority to give up his life so that others may have life. He says, I give my life up for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I have authority to lay it down and to pick it up again. So when Jesus talks about his authority, he talks like this is what's important. This is what is important. Jesus has authority to change your final destination. Now, the best way that the best analogy I could come up with for this is like a soldier. You know, a soldier is on a mission and he's supposed to be doing something, but he realizes the only way to save the people is if he sacrifices himself. If he goes onto the battlefield and he's going to lose his life, but the people will be saved. But soldiers can't just act like that. Soldiers can't, like, they're not vigilantes. They can't just go without authority from the commanding officer. So the commanding officer has to give authority for the soldier and say, yeah, go ahead. And this is what Jesus says when he talks about his authority. He says that he has received authority to die. He has received authority to give up his life so that he may give eternal life to whoever the Father gives him. He can do this. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Why am I going on and on about Jesus' authority? This is important because how seriously you take a person's words is based on how seriously you take that person. How seriously you are going to take his commission, his command, is going to be based on how seriously you take who Jesus is. I'll give you an analogy. So uh, I love analogies, by the way, so you're always going to hear them from me. Let's say you just got your ice cream from Ample Hills. You're walking down the street. You're walking down the street. It's your favorite flavor. And then there's this little kid, and he sees you, and he goes, you can't eat that. That's bad for you. You'd be like, hey, step back. <laughs> step back. <laughs> I drove 30 minutes to get here. <laughs> but if the next day you go to your doctor and your doctor says, yo, if you keep eating all this pernil, you're going to have a heart attack. All of a sudden, the words have a different meaning, right? All of a sudden, because they're coming from your doctor and not this little kid, all of a sudden, it has a different meaning. You're gonna, if you're in an office, you're gonna take the words of your boss way more seriously than you know the advice of the high school intern, because your boss is your boss. And here, Jesus is not hesitating. Jesus does not stutter. He says, "All authority in the heavens and earth, all authority over all of creation, has been given to me. I am over it all." Do we understand this? Church, do we understand this? Because a lot of times, we don't take Jesus' words seriously. We don't. And we see it in our behavior. We might say we follow, but the way we act, nah, Jesus is just giving us a guideline for life. 
Jesus is just helping us live our best life now, right? Jesus, we're not under Jesus. Jesus is under us because it's about us. So we have to establish that, and Jesus establishes that in this even before his command. All authority belongs to him. Now let's get into the commission. Now let's talk about what he says. So our first point is that the commission is great because Jesus is great. Our second point is that the commission is great because the mission is great. The commission is great because God's mission is great. The commission says, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now in the Greek, the main command is not go. The main command is make. In the Greek, it actually says, after having gone or after going, make disciples of all nations. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we tend to cut God off. Uh, and that's, that happens a lot if you grew up in church. God's saying something and you're like, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. I heard this before. I heard, you know, I did a Bible study like five years ago. I know. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. But this is one of the verses that sometimes we don't know what God is saying. We don't know what Jesus has said. Some of us, we read, we read this and we hear, make disciples. All right, I'm all about discipleship. Let's go. I'm going to make disciples. But he doesn't stop there. Then some of us read, make disciples of all, yep, I got it, all people, everybody. Make disciples of all the people. Jesus didn't say that either. He said, make disciples of all nations, which is all people groups. Make disciples of all people groups, meaning all the families on earth, make disciples of them. Now, when we cut Jesus off, we don't realize what he's saying. We don't realize what he's saying. Um, this commission's actually a big shift in Jesus' ministry. We think this was, you know, something that is Jesus was on par the whole time. No. There's a small story. It's small, but it's very important in Matthew 15. In Matthew 15, there's a woman from the line of Canaan. So she's a Canaanite. She's not from Israel. She hears that Jesus has been healing people. So she follows Jesus. She finds Jesus and the disciples, and she's like, have mercy on me. Her daughter is apparently possessed by a demon. She's like, help me. And Jesus doesn't say anything to her. It says she doesn't, he doesn't say a word. So she starts following them. She's like, help me, have mercy on me. My daughter has a demon. And the disciples get annoyed. So they're like, Jesus, send her away. Like, do something. And Jesus says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Like, whoa, Jesus, what? He said, I was only sent to Israel. Like, what? Jesus, didn't you come for us? Didn't you come for the world? In Matthew 10, there's a story where Jesus sends his disciples out on a little mini mission trip. And he tells them, go cast out demons, go heal people, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he says, don't go to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. 
Don't go to the Samaritans. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then you read these things and you're like, what? Why, why, do, you, why do you keep saying that you came for Israel? And that's confusing to us. Unless we understand that Jesus did come for Israel, but that wasn't his end game. That wasn't his end game. Last week, we talked about how God had blessed Israel. He had called Abraham and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation, which becomes Israel. And in you, all the families on earth will be blessed. That was God's mission. He said that way in the beginning. That was his mission. But if you read the rest of the Old Testament, you find out that Israel did not do this. Instead of Israel being the example, Israel being able to proclaim God to all the people groups, the Canaanites, the Cushites, the Egyptians, instead of that happening, all the nations, all the people groups began influencing Israel. And instead of proclaiming God, they would intermarry with them. They would start worshiping their gods. They would build idols. They would build idols to Baal. They would build Asherah poles. All of a sudden, it's going in reverse. Like, no, 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 this is not supposed to be happening. You, Israel, was supposed to bless the nations. You were supposed to show the people groups God's saving power. But it's not like God's mission had failed. God's mission did not fail, even though Israel was faithless. Israel was faithless. They were judged by God and they were destroyed. And then many years later, the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, comes, born to Mary and Joseph, born from the tribe of Judah, as one of them, to reach them, to disciple them, to proclaim that the kingdom has come to them, and then to lead them to the other nations. And that's where we're at right now. The commission is great because this is where he tells his Jewish disciples, now go make disciples of all the people groups. Now in the Greek, it's really interesting because uh, in our English Bibles, it's translated as therefore. In Greek, the same word uh, for there, the same word that we see as therefore can also be translated as now. So you could read this as Jesus saying, now, now Israel, now make disciples of all the people groups. It's a big shift. God's mission is big and God's mission is great. The commission is great because the mission is great. Now I... Sometimes I think, I don't think the disciples really got it. I don't think they really understood. Because this isn't the first time that Jesus has talked about the nations. It isn't. He told them before. He said that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. He told the disciples, you know, you're going to be hated by all the people groups. But I don't think they got it. Why don't I think they got it? I don't think they got it because after Jesus ascends back to heaven, the disciples who have become apostles now, they start doing what Jesus said. They start preaching the gospel, and then all of a sudden, these Gentiles, 
these non-Jews start receiving the gospel. So these Gentiles, suddenly they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And what are the apostles' reactions? Like, what do we do? <laughs> Their reaction was, what do we do? These people that we never even talked to. See, Israel, they weren't even allowed to go to the home of a Gentile. They had never interacted with the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, the Gentiles want to follow Christ. So they're kind of like, they're fighting with each other. They're like, do we circumcise them? Do we not circumcise them? Do we teach them to follow Moses' law, which they probably never even heard of? What do we do? So they had to have a whole council in Jerusalem. And they had to study, what, what do we believe? And they realized, no, no, they don't have to follow the law because they're saved by grace, just like we are. And I want us to ask ourselves, are we like them? Do we understand God's mission? Do we have our eyes set on his end game? That there will be people from every people group worshiping the Lord? Or are we like the disciples? Have we only stuck with our own people? People who look like us, people who talk like us, people who dress like us, people who eat the same food that we eat. Is that what we've been doing? And then if next week, a Muslim from Iran, if he comes in the door and he says, hey, I want to follow Christ, would we be like, oh my gosh, what? You're from Iran, or you're from Saudi Arabia. What, do you want to be a Christian? Are we going to be like the apostles? And then are we going to be like, how do we disciple this guy? How do we disciple him? Because our eyes have always been on our worlds. We have not seen God's mission. We have not seen all the people groups on earth. We've been focused on ourselves. And we've been focused on our communities. Just like Israel. But that's not what God's mission is. Now, Jesus continues on with his commission. He says, make disciples of all people groups. Don't cut him off. Don't cut him off. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when someone is baptized, it means they are now a follower of whoever name they've been baptized under. So John the Baptist had disciples. He was baptizing. But Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptize them in my name. In the past, in church history, maybe some churches today, we put up a lot of hurdles for baptism. A lot. In the past, you had to go through a whole school. You had to, like, take classes. You had to pass tests. You had to change your whole life as a candidate before you would be baptized. Someone had to say, yes, so-and-so has changed his life. He wants to be a follower of Christ, and then they'll baptize you. But that's not what Jesus says. This is actually the first thing Jesus says. After he says, make disciples of all the people groups, baptize them, which means identify them. This person has committed to be a follower of me, a disciple, a student of me. Just a quick commercial, Zion is doing baptisms <laughs> at the end of August, at the end, is it end of August, August, middle of August, August 17th. If you feel that the Lord is calling you, you want to be a follower of him, you have received his salvation, come talk to one of the leaders, come talk to the pastor. Um, baptism is the first step, and that's what the apostles go out and do. Now, the second thing that 
Jesus says, when he says, make disciples of all people groups, he says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is another situation where sometimes we cut Jesus' words off. We hear, teach them, got it, got it. I got a discipleship class right here. It's this program by Tim Keller. It's really good. I'm going to put them in this class. And then after they're done, they're a disciple. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. You can always tell the difference between someone who has been discipled to obey and someone who just received a lot of knowledge. You can always tell the difference. Uh, last week I shared my testimony. I mentioned that I, made, I went to seminary. And I went to seminary, and I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to be around all these super Christians. They're all going to be in ministry. They're all going to be pastors. Um, and I met a lot of people. They went to Bible college in undergrad. They majored in theology. Like, who does that? They learned Greek freshman year. That's not going to make you money. But that's what they did. There are these people who did that. So I was, like, intimidated. I was intimidated because I was like, I don't know anything. But then I also saw the way that they lived. And I saw that they broke campus rules. Their boyfriends, their girlfriends would sleep over in each other's dorm rooms. They wouldn't welcome people of other ethnicities into their little clique. And I thought like, wow, you know, that, that's really surprising because I thought I was gonna be with all these really mature people. And I'm not sharing this to shame anyone because we are all sinners saved by grace. We are all there, amen? I share this because I want you guys to know that just because someone has received a lot of teaching, just because someone went to seminary and someone uses big words, doesn't mean that they're walking in obedience to the Lord. It doesn't mean that they're a disciple of Christ. And that's what happens sometimes when we don't read the whole thing that Jesus says. Jesus said, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, all my commandments. That doesn't mean some of them, it means everything Jesus has commanded, including the one we're studying today, including this commission that he's giving his disciples right now. So for us, what does that mean for us? That means if we have been discipled to obey his commandments, if we are, I hear a lot of amens when I'm talking about those seminary geeks. But what about us? Have we been discipled to obey all of Jesus' commandments or we pick and choose the ones that we like? Love your neighbor. I got that. I got that. I'm a loving person. Do we only pick the ones that the world likes, that we can agree with together, that the ones that don't get us in trouble? This commission is for the disciples all of his disciples, including us. It is a big mission, and it's a scary mission. But it goes beyond ourselves. So that's our second point, that this commission is great because the mission is great. The mission is great. And then finally, our last point is that the commission is great because the reward is great. The commission is great because the reward is great. Jesus knows, and he's spoken about it. 
He knows his apostles are going to be persecuted. He knows it's not easy to go to the Gentiles. What kind of food do they eat? What do they look like? He knows that. He knows he's not sending his disciples on something easy, on an easy trip, you know, to the beach like David. He's not doing that. So he gives this assurance at the end. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And his disciples, knowing this, go out in obedience. And almost all of them were martyred. Almost all of them went to their deaths for this gospel. When they hear that Jesus says, I will be with you always, they know it is true. They know it is true because they have just seen their beloved teacher get arrested and publicly murdered. They've just seen that happen. And then now he's back. Now he's back. So when Jesus says, I will be with you always, you better believe they knew that was true. They knew that was true. The Apostle Paul wrote to the letter, wrote in his letter to the Romans, he wrote, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knew nothing. If he walked in obedience to the Lord as he went out to the Gentiles, as he got beaten, as he got thrown in jail, he knew he was going to be with Christ. So church, for us, if we want Jesus, if we want that reward, if we understand God's mission for all people groups, not just the ones that we're comfortable with, we have to follow him. You know, even children, children know how to play. What, what's that game? Follow the leader? How do you play follow the leader? Whatever the leader does, everybody follows, right? Children know that. So we say we follow Jesus. What did Jesus say he came to do? To seek and save the lost. Jesus came to do that. So if we are following him, are we doing that? Or are we just playing church? Last week, I announced that uh, David Gilbert, could you raise your hand? David Gilbert is organizing a prayer walk around the neighborhood. The reason why we're going on a prayer walk around the neighborhood is because most of us New Yorkers, we don't see what's around us. We don't see the people that God has brought here. We don't see that there are Yemeni, there are Greeks, there are Italian-Americans, there's Chinese. We don't see all that because we grew up with this. This is normal. But this might be something bigger because God's mission is big. And there's a lot of self-reflection that we're going to get into in the, next, uh, in the next week. Even if you can't come on the prayer walk. So I invite you guys to come join us. Even if you cannot come, it's a really easy, simple step. Just walking and praying with our eyes open. Open and listening to the Spirit. That's all it is. Even if you can't come, I encourage you guys to look around you. Look around you at work. Look around you at school. Let's say you've been sitting next to your Jewish coworker for like the past 10 years. You never talked about your faith with him. You never asked him about his faith. Because 
that's not that's just not what you do. Maybe you go to school. There's a whole bunch of Muslim kids in your school. You got Muslim classmates. You hang out with them. But you never ask, yo, do you pray five times a day? Do you read the Quran? You've never done that. You've never had dialogue. And I'm encouraging us, start doing that. Start looking at the nations. Look at your own people group. Look at the people groups that are next to you. Look at your neighbors. Where are they from? What do they believe? Yo, just because they dress differently doesn't mean that God does not have their sights, has his sights on them. Just because they look differently than us, just because maybe we're a little scared. Jesus said he will be with you always. He will be with us always. So the apostles were not scared. The apostles didn't know what to do, but they were not scared. So church, let's start doing that. This commission is great. Jesus is great. God's mission is big. It is great, and the reward is great. He said, make disciples of all the people groups, and I will be with you always. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you desire to redeem all of your creation. We thank you, Lord, that you did not give up on Israel. You did not give up on us. You did not. You are not faithless, even if we are faithless. Lord, you are faithful, and you will redeem those who are yours. And Lord, we pray that you would convict us and help us to know how can we be part of your mission? How can we obey your command? How can we follow you, Jesus, as you go to places that we might not want to go to? Lord, we thank you that your scriptures are living. We thank you that you teach us from it. We love you. May you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.